do all things yes you certainly can he could he could win with the 3000 he could literally win but do you see what's happening here when you're disconnected with god when there's that disconnection when you're not praying when you're not communicating with god when you're not hanging out with him you have a perverted perspective so to speak about what you see and and what life looks like. Saul's first few tests as a king already began to demonstrate some disturbing tendencies to his leadership. Feeling the pressure of the enemies of Israel on one side and of God's own people fleeing from him in fear on the other, Saul gives in to the circumstances and abandons God's commandment to him. What do you do when following Jesus gets tough? Do you compromise and falter? Do you lower your standards? In today's message, Pastor Mark will warn us to never allow our decisions to be driven by self-will and insecurity. God's people must be committed to obedience and completely submitted to God's will. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 13 with today's edition of Come Alive. Look at verse 5 with me. It says, Then the Philistines gathered together to fight with Israel 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horses. Okay, can you, anybody do math real quick? 30,000 chariots, the Philistines. Saul's got how many? Three tops. But they're the best. But they're, but I mean, when you think about it, you're like, really? So all these people, 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, and people as the sand, which is on the seashore, in multitude. And they came up and encamped in Michmash to the east of Beth-Avim. So you're like, whoa. You got 3,000 people that are going to take care of this? Can 3,000 people take care of this? Can God do all things? Yes, he certainly can. He could, he could win with the 3,000. He could literally win. But do you see what's happening here? When you're disconnected with God, when there's that disconnection, when you're not praying, when you're not communicating with God, when you're not hanging out with him, you have a perverted perspective, so to speak, about what you see and, and what life looks like. See, instead of Saul going to God and saying, who who do I choose for my army? He chose. He chose. And so he's got this perverted perspective that, oh, that's all I need. Really, Saul? The sand on the seashore? 30,000? 6,000? Do the math? It's not going to be good. But with God, all things are possible. And so Saul doesn't consult God. He gathers 3,000 looks at the rest, and he says, I don't need you. And Saul kind of is like looking out there, and he's probably like, oy vey, what is going on with all these people? And again, don't we do this in our own lives? We'll pick a fight or we'll start a war we shouldn't be waging. We'll pick a fight or start a war we shouldn't be waging. Saul's freedoms and sins had a grave effect on the Israelites. 
And we're going to see what that effect is. If he would have just taken those gray area things in his life, those, well, you know, this is what I want to choose, God, and these are the guys I'd like to choose, and I'd like to bring this to you and, and have you take a look at what I think is going to be best. But yet he took those gray area things and he said, hey, I got these freedoms. I'm going to go ahead. I'm the king. The people chose me, and, 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 and I've seen God work through me with Nahash. I was behind a plow. And we won. We beat them. And I've done some great things, but here's these gray areas now, God. And God might have said, hey, no, 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 don't do it that way. But he just takes those gray area freedoms and he wages a war. And, and, and so Saul looks at a massive enemy's army and says, I'm my own man. I don't need to run everything by God. I got my men and I feel pretty good. I got, you know, those people that when... People argue with them, and, and they're kind of like standing there, and then they look to their buddy, and they're like, <laughs> how dare you? You know that guy's wrong, right? And that guy's just a yes man. Oh, yeah, dude, you're right. Right on, brother. Go for it. He doesn't have your back. How do I know? Because the Bible tells us right here that these guys don't even have Saul's back. In a little while, we're going to see how they start to get scared. And so look at verse 6. When the men of Israel saw that they were in danger, for the people were distressed, then the people hid in caves and thickets, in rocks, in holes, and in pits. I don't know about you, last time you were scared like that as an adult, and you ran to hide in a hole or in a thicket. But I can tell you, I've been through thicket just recently. And you know what a thicket is? Well, it's like a, it's a thorn bush. And when you're calling that thorn bush more comfortable... But then just being out in the open, there's a big problem. When you would rather sit in a hole or a pit, there's a problem. There's a huge problem taking place. Look at these guys. They're scared. This could be a picture of any one of our homes. Any one of our homes or your life. Uh, maybe you went out and you bit off more than you could chew. That's kind of what Saul has done bit off a little more than you can chew by getting that new thing that you thought you could afford that you planned and didn't think that this other thing could come up and just gobble up your money. And so now you, you've had this plan and you, you kind of reasoned it out within yourself, but you didn't take it to the Lord because you have certain freedoms. I got freedom, Lord. He says, oh, yeah, you got freedom, bro. And I'm going to let you have that freedom because, I, I, you know what, I love you so much. I just want you to learn a massive lesson. Lord, get me out of this. Get me out. No, 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 no. You got to learn the hard way. You could have done it the easy way. You could have come to me and said, hey, well, what about? But you thought just because it looked good on the outside, it felt soft and pretty, and you tasted it, and it was all oh, so sweet. That it was of me. What's the Bible say? The angel, the devil comes and poses as an angel of light. He, he tries to fool us. He tries to fool us. So here, sometimes we do this. We have to now put in extra hours because we got this new great cool thing. We bit off more than we can chew. So you come home tired and these other things have popped up. And now you, you and, and wifey are freaking out. You guys, there's an unsettling in the home. There's an unsettling with the people that are around you that you've been called to lead. They're scared. 
Maybe your children are afraid to approach you because you're so tired when you come home from work that you want nothing to do with them and you're just a little grouchy and a little grumpy. And they're afraid. Maybe your wife's even afraid to approach you because, you know what, mom and dad seem a little upset all the time and these kids, just, they just want to run and hide from the problems. Maybe your friends are even afraid to approach you because you've had such a sour look on your face and you just... You're at church and you're just like, you got that self-hug going on. I love me. I love, you know, you're just like, oh, man. I hate life. Can't believe, can't believe this is happening to me. Ugh. Man, isn't that weird? We do these things to ourselves. I mean, you guys are like, yeah, I see heads nodding. Yeah, that does happen. So why do we do it? Oh, why do we forget to go and take it to God? Again, note where they're finding refuge. Refuge. You know what refuge is? It's a safe place. In thicket. Thorn bushes. Holes. Pits. Snakes are in pits. Sitting down there like, oh, it's a hey, rattler. It's better be in here with you than up there with the, the multitude of sand people trying to kill me. And, and we're still thinking, why is this so important? What's the big deal? I don't get it. Well, Pits and holes in the ground, basically, you put dead bodies in pits and holes in the ground, right? Well, we bury those dead bodies there. Places of discomfort are offering these people, the soldiers, the best, the best guys, they're offering them more comfort than the one who's supposed to protect them. Dads. Are, are, are there places that your family and your kids are looking for for more comfort than, than to the people that are supposed to protect them? And, and are, you know, are, are you making good decisions for them? You got to think every decision you make in your household, every decision I make as a pastor of this church, every decision I make as a business owner, it, it affects the people that work for me or volunteer here or attend church here. In my home, it affects my children and my wife. It even affects my dogs. I mean, if money gets bad, guess what? They get cheaper dog food. And if it gets bad enough, guess what? They got to go. I love my dogs, but hey, I love my kids more. And if it, you know, and, and so you think about it. Think about that. Because of Saul's arrogance and his pride, because of a leader's arrogance and pride, because of a mom or dad's arrogance or pride to think that, hey, it's okay, we can, we'll figure it out. No, no, no. You prepare for the bad times. You got to look to think that, hey, this may not last forever. Verse 7. And some of the Hebrews crossed over the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. As for Saul, he was still in Gilgal. And all the people followed him, trembling. Is there anyone following you, shaking in their boots, scared? Verse 8, and then he waited seven days, according to the time set by Samuel. But Samuel didn't come to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. So Saul said, bring a burnt offering and a peace offering here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. Now it happened, as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering, that Samuel came And Saul went out to meet him that he might greet him. And Samuel said, what have you done? Saul said, when I saw that the people were scattered from me and that you did not come within the days appointed 
and that the Philistines gathered together at Michmash. Then I said, the Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal, and I have made supplication to the Lord. Therefore, I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. So here's what's happening. A a, a king couldn't be a, a priest and a prophet. He couldn't be all three. He couldn't even really be two. There's only one that can do that. And that did it perfectly. His name was Jesus. And so here, Saul is a king. So, you know, you might be thinking, yeah, but Saul waited seven days. And, or, but not really. He didn't wait the seven full days. He waited into the seventh day. Maybe the first few hours. And remember, when we don't consult with God, when we don't take things to God, when we have no faith... We have fear. A lack of communication breeds assumption. So Saul assumes that Samuel's not coming, but we know that he is. If you go back to chapter 10 of 1 Samuel and you look at verse 8, we see here that it says, You shall go down before me to Gilgal. That's Samuel talking. You shall go down before me at Gilgal, and surely I will come down to you and offer burnt offerings and make sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days you shall wait till I come to you and show you what you should do. Now, this is God's representative. If Saul would have just waited, if Saul would have just waited, if he would have just had the patience, if he would have just waited, if we just wait on the Lord then sometimes we'll be shown what to do. So his army was basically evaporating, and for all he knew, the enemy could have attacked at any moment. Uh, let's give Saul some, a little bit of help here. Hey, these guys could have attacked at any moment. He was scared, so how can we blame him for acting as he did? Well, here's a lesson in presumption. Only a priest can offer a sacrifice, and Saul knew this. Saul knew that. In chapter 10, verse 8, what we just read, he was told by Samuel. It's a directive from God. And when we disobey those directives, well, see, Saul wants to give an impression that God is with him. Because why? The people are scattered. And so a lot of times you will hear people say, well, don't let your people see that you're afraid. You know, the only time I don't do that is I don't let my children see when I'm kind of afraid or worried about something that could really upset them and cause them to kind of panic. So, But we do let them know that, hey, you know what, we're a little worried and we're taking this to the Lord, but we're, we're taking it to the Lord. We trust that he will get us through. We don't run around in a panic. And so because there was no communication with God, there was this, this assumption, that lack of communication bred this assumption that Saul thinks, hey, it's okay for me to do this. And again, Saul wants to give that impression that God is with him. I know I'm not supposed to do this, but where's my priest? He isn't here. He's not showing up, and the pressure's on. The pressure's on. I got the enemy at the front door and all around us, and there's a lot of them. And I've got only 3,000 men, God. Why? Why do I only have 3,000 men? Saul, you chose. You didn't consult. You decided to play in the gray area of freedom and liberty. And you didn't think anything bad would happen from that. And now, something bad is about to happen. So the sacrifice is offered. Then Samuel shows up and busts him. And he's like, dude. So I was like, dude, Samuel, people are running away. They're freaking out. I have all this pressure. I had to do something. 
Three excuses. If you're taking notes, here's his three excuses. One, people are running away. People are running away. Number two, pressure from the Philistines. Number three, you're late. Samuel, you're late. So how's that work for our lives? Well, dude, I'm losing all my friends. All my friends, I I became a Christian. I'm losing all my friends. I got to do something. And then the pressure from outside, peer pressure. Come on, bro, really? Seriously? You're really trying to do the right thing? Come on, you you know you're going to blow it. The Bible says we're all sinners. Might as well sin. And then, Lord, help me. It's in God's timing, and we're like, you're late. You're late, God. That's why I did it. Yeah, I blew it because you were late. Listen, this is for us. This is for us. When you're in your life, if you feel the pressure is on and, and, and your thought is, you know, what you're doing was the, the best thing to do, and you maybe a prophet or a pastor or somebody shows up and nails you, you know, because you, you've blown it, you've done your own thing, a foolish thing to do, let me just give you this. And I've learned this the hard way. A foolish thing to do is to sit there and defend yourself when you're guilty. To try to justify what you've done when you're guilty. Oh, this is why. This is why I did it. I have a reason why. Uh, You know, you have an excuse. and, And an excuse is, everybody knows the definition, right? The shell of a reason stuffed with a lie. The shell of a reason stuffed with a lie. Saul should have just said, man, you're right. My walk with God is at best a slither. And, and I haven't prayed to God about any of my decisions for a long time. And, and you know that, you know, you know what that first verse says, Samuel. It says, I didn't do anything the first year. I really didn't do anything. I did this in fear. I did it in impatience. Can God please forgive me? If Saul would have said that, I think God would have worked with that. And you might be thinking, well, how do you know, Mark? Well, take a look at verse 13. It says, and Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord, your God, which he commanded you. And for now, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. Whoa. Think about that statement for just a second. If you would have just done what God asked you to do, he would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now... Well, he's got to go out and look for a man after his own heart. Got to go find a little kid named David hanging out with a bunch of sheep. And I'll establish his kingdom forever. Think about that. Because God had greater plans for Saul. That's how I know. He had greater plans. He has greater plans for you. But yet, we tend to, ah, oh, no, Lord, I don't know. That's, that's not for me. I'm not that kind of, oh, I can't. I don't want to go over there and talk to them about you. How do you know if you haven't prayed about it? I mean, is it really, if you're praying, is, is God really saying, oh, yeah, it's okay, Mark. Don't go to your neighbors and tell them about Jesus. That's all right. I mean, does he really say that to us? I mean, Who does he say that to? Would have forever. It's kind of like, oh, Saul, that could have been your dynasty. Look at verse 14. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be 
commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. What's happening? What's happening here? God is saying, this is what I gave, and now I'm removing it. This is what I gave you. I had plans to give you this whole kingdom right here, but you know what? So I gave it to you. I got to take it back. It's mine. It actually belongs to me. I was just letting you manage it for me, but man, bro, you've done such a poor job with it. I'm taking it back. This should scare every single one of us in here in the sense of fearing God. Now you're thinking, well, he's not going to take back his salvation. No, he won't take back salvation. You can't lose your salvation. But you know what? You could live a very poor Christian life. Just think about what God has planned for you. You don't know. Saul didn't know. He didn't lay it out for Saul and say, hey, but but, but Mark, wouldn't that be fair? Wouldn't that be cool if you just let me know? Then you would be doing it because you were trying to achieve something. It'd be another check off. How is that faith? See, when you walk in disobedience before the Lord, everything, position, preference, pay, power, and privilege, it's up for grabs. It's up for grabs. Uh, What's it saying? The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Well, that's what's happening right here. See, God has blessed you with these, well, you and I, you have so much going for you, and, and, and you have to see that. He's a great God. We all nodded our head when we said, yeah, God could do anything. He could defeat these Philistines with the 3,000. He could do that. Well, if he could do something like that, just think, put yourself in their sandals standing there going, oh, man, look at all those people. But we've got God on our side. If Saul would have just consulted with the Lord, I'm sure with 3,000 people, they would have won. I'm sure with four people, they would have won. With one person, they would have won. Oh, you're going crazy, Mark. Not with one. David, a slingshot, a little boy, and a rock. A slingshot, a little boy, and a rock. And what happens? He knocks this big giant in the head, cuts off his head. And who winds up running? The Philistines. Was David outnumbered? No. You're a majority when it's you and God. It's a majority when it's you and God. We're so glad you tuned in today to Pastor Mark's teaching here on Come Alive. Pastor Mark has been walking us through the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, unlocking the blessings, truth, and love found within its verses. We know that reading God's Word can be difficult to squeeze into your schedule sometimes, so having something to listen to instead can help. With that in mind, we'd like to let you know about our Come Alive podcast. We've made Pastor Mark's messages available to you for free so that you can take them with you on the go, making hearing the Word so much more convenient. Search for Come Alive on iTunes or on Google Play and subscribe to have a notification sent to you as soon as we post new editions. Thanks again for tuning in today to Come Alive. If you'd like to learn more about this ministry and the church behind it, please visit us online at comealiveradio.com. If you're living in or near Katy, Texas, we'd also like to invite you to come see us in person at Calvary Chapel Katy. 
We are a laid-back group of Jesus followers, and we love inviting new people to come join us in seeking the Father and praising His name. Find service times and directions to our church when you visit our website, comealiveradio.com. That's all we have time for today. We pray you continue to find Jesus through His Word and in everything you do. Join us next time for another in-depth look at the Bible, right here on Come Alive.